0: Romans chapter 1, verse 16, you should have an insert in your bulletin there for your notes, and uh, if you do not have that, the guys, I think, probably have some extra bulletins there somewhere. If you need one of those, raise your hand, wave at us, and we'll get that to you. Anybody need one of the worksheets for tonight, just hold your hand up there for a minute, and we'll get that to you, All right. Romans chapter 1. And uh, David got off easy tonight with just two verses to read. I should have made that a little bit more expanded so he didn't get off too easy. But a verse that many of us know is verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Tonight I want to talk about the true message of the gospel. Last Sunday night we talked about sound doctrine. And what we're going to share tonight is some of that sound doctrine. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a message that should never be taken for granted. In fact, our main goal and our main mission as a church and as Christians, as individuals, ought to be to get out the gospel. And I'm amazed to see some of the different ways that the gospel is being uh, given out. And we're doing, of course, the track Uh, emphasis these next two weeks, and that's one of the ways that we can get out the gospel. Look for ways that you can get the gospel out and give the gospel to people. In my 53 years of pastoral ministry, I have seen that a clear biblical understanding of the gospel is missing in a lot of our churches today. It seems that hundreds of people have not been taught what the gospel truly is, and consequently they're not sure of their own salvation. The gospel, I believe, is the most important foundational doctrine of the entire Bible. What the Bible's all about and what Jesus is all about, he said he came to seek and to save that which is lost. It's a message around God's entire written revelation of himself. It's actually the center of all of it. And that's why God came to earth. He came that we might have salvation. Let me ask you a question this evening. Why do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth? The Bible has the answer for that. It tells us that he came to be the Savior of mankind. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 puts it this way. It says, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. 1 John 14, verse four, chapter 4, verse 14 says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of of the world, The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into this world to be the Savior of the world. He came so that we can take that message, and we must be faithful as a church and as individuals to get that message out to the world. And yet, if that is the central theme of the Bible and the most important message, why are we so unprepared to preach the good news or to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Too many churches in America today, I think, have lost or left or neglected the gospel. That's a sad condition, and I believe it opens the door for many errors to be taught, many kinds of gospel errors, including Calvinism. We talked about that a little bit last week. We'll be talking about that more in the future. But I firmly believe that God intends for every one of us as believers to have a clear understanding of what the gospel is to understand what this precious, God-given message that we have is. Some people think, well, I already know this. Or sometimes we tend to think, well, I've heard that a million times. Could I tell you that the gospel message should never grow old to us? The timeless truths of the gospel must be never relegated to a place of non-importance in our life. It is as people make the light of the message of the gospel or trivialize the important message of the gospel, that it loses its power to show people, especially those who are blinded by the devil, to show them the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we must use the gospel. We must preach the gospel. In fact, our verse says that 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 gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Sometimes we think, well, I'm not a good witness, or I'm not very good at it. And we forget that it's not the messenger, it's the message. The gospel is the power. And if we'll get out the gospel, God will take care of the power to change lives. In Second Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, the Bible warns us that the wicked one hides the message, hides the light of the gospel from the lost. And therefore, we have to be vigilant and urgent in understanding the message and getting the message out. Our world, and I think all of you would agree with us, desperately needs to hear the gospel. So please pay careful attention tonight as we examine each of the fundamental truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are five uh, fundamental truths of the gospel. We talked about sound doctrine. These are five fundamental things of the gospel that we need to know and they're on your notes there, and I hope you'll go back over them, keep that with you, maybe even keep it in your Bible, but go over it over and over that we can know these five fundamental truths of the gospel. First of all, fundamental truth number one, the gospel of Christ is the good news or the glad news message given to us by God. It is the good news or the glad news message given to us by God. This truth comes from the meaning of the word gospel itself. In Romans 1.16, again, the verse says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Greek word gospel there, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, is a word that literally means good message. The gospel is the good message. Oftentimes we use the terms good news or glad tidings. And for that reason... It is illustrated by what the angel the Lord announced to the shepherds the night that the Lord Jesus Christ was born. Back in, over in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring unto you good tidings of great joy. Good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The good news is the Savior. It's Christ came to this world, and it's a great message of joy. The angel announced the good news and the glad tidings that Christ came to save us. There's never been a greater announcement in all of the world that was spoke, than was spoken that night by the angel of the Lord. It's one that needs to be proclaimed by every one of us. There have been a lot of good messages, and there are a lot of good messages that we get out. Sometimes there's the birth of a baby, and, and, and that's good news. Or a wedding's going to take place, and we send out invitations to announce it. Or, or maybe a pay raise comes through at your work. It's good news that you talk about. But the gospel is the best news, amen? The fact that our sins are forgiven and that Jesus paid our debt on the cross at Calvary, there has been no greater news ever given in all of humanity and in all of time. So we must do our best to proclaim it, just like the angel did in Luke chapter 2. The word gospel is used for the message that we proclaim because it is good news. It is good news. This truth is foundational for us to truly understand the gospel because it reveals what the gospel, as we proclaim it, truly means and what it should bring to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, And the angel said, this is the message of good news that brings great joy. The gospel should bring great joy, amen? We deserve to spend eternity in hell, but God sent his son, Jesus the Savior, came to earth to save us so that we could go to heaven. That's great news. And it brings joy to us. It ought to bring joy to us to tell people about it, to point them to the Savior. So foundational truth number one, the gospel of Christ is a good news or glad news message given to us by God. Secondly, foundational truth number two, the gospel of Christ is not vague, it is not general, it is not ambiguous, rather it is clear, precise, and biblically defined. Now let me say that again, the gospel of Christ is not vague, it is not general or ambiguous, rather it is clear, it is precise, and it is biblically defined for us. I'm thankful that we are not left in the dark to figure out what the gospel is for ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4, the Bible defines for us in no uncertain terms exactly what this good news is. Very clearly, precisely, and with biblical authority. There the gospel is declared to be the good news or the glad tidings that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The gospel, very simply put but very clearly, Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. And notice it says according to the scriptures. And that's simple, very simply put for us so that we would understand that Jesus Christ came died, was buried, and rose again. He paid with his blood what we as guilty sinners owed. He paid for that on the cross at Calvary so that we could be forgiven and be accepted by a holy God. The Bible declares that the debt of our sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That's a debt that we have no ability to pay. There's no way that we can defeat death. We were sinful creatures bound to die for all of eternity, and so Jesus Christ substituted himself on our behalf. Our Savior did what we could have never done. He fully paid the penalty of death that we owed. He was buried, and thank God he rose again from the dead. He conquered Satan. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. His blood payment for our sin and his victory over death proves that he has the power to bring us back to life again and to take us to heaven for all of eternity. John eleven twenty five and 26, Jesus said unto her, he's talking about uh, Mary and Martha at the, at the uh, death of Lazarus, he said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Romans 4.25 says, "...who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification." By dying in our place, Jesus became the Savior of the world. And 1 Timothy 4.10 says, "...specially of those that believe." Now, you might be thinking tonight, why are we going over all of this? Because this is fundamental. We must know the fundamental truths of the gospel. What is the gospel? We have a lot of false gospels that are being preached, and we need to know the true gospel. And this true gospel, this great truth, is the central theme of the entire Bible. Jesus' death in our place to pay our sin debt. It's illustrated and revealed in many places in the Bible. Let me give you a few verses. Isaiah 53, 6 says, The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Romans 5.8, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5 21, for he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 says that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. First Peter two twenty four says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. And again, 1 Peter 3:18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The just for the unjust. So there's many verses in the Bible that tell us Christ died for us. He paid for our sins. He took our place. He was our substitute. The gospel is not some vague, general, ambiguous message that can refer to anything that you can find in the Bible. It is specific good news. It is specific about who Jesus Christ is. It's specific about what He did for us on our behalf. It's specific to tell us that He died for our sins, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day. This is the message of the gospel. And that's our message. Christ died for me. We can be saved from sin's penalty of death, and we can be granted a home in heaven for all of eternity because we have a Savior. We have a substitute who died in our place and who paid the price in full for our redemption. The truth about what the gospel message specifically declares is foundational to our understanding because it helps us to center on and to know if we are really communicating to people what they need to know and what they need to understand. See, if the gospel is the power unto salvation then we better know what the gospel is and we better share the true message or they're not going to get saved. Amen? Amen. So foundational truth number one, the gospel of Christ is a good news or glad news message given to us by God. Foundational truth number two, the gospel of Christ is not vague, general, ambiguous. Rather, it is clear, precise, and biblically defined. Thirdly, foundational truth number three, the gospel of Christ is is the one and only God-ordained message by which anyone can be saved. It is the one and only God-ordained message by which anybody can be saved. Listen to our verse again in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Notice the phrase, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That little word, it, refers back to the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. This verse is teaching us the wonderful truth that the gospel of Christ and the gospel of Christ alone is the only God-ordained message by which anyone can be saved. It is the only message by which anyone can have their sins forgiven and can be prepared for heaven. No one can be saved apart from hearing and understanding the truth of the gospel. The Bible says in Acts 4 and verse 12, "...neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved." That's not popular in our world today. When you say Jesus Christ is the only one, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way... It's kind of interesting to hear some of the politicians when they're asked any type of question like that. They sort of squirm and try to wiggle around it. Our world today is full of pluralistic and other secular types of ideas, so the fact that this is the only one, the only message, the only salvation is not very popular. However, the Bible declares that without apology. God makes it very clear. In John chapter 10, verse 7 and and 8 and 9, he says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. He doesn't say, I am a door. He says, I am the door. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He said, by me. There is no other way. Only way is through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the verse in John 14 and verse 6 when Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And as I quoted a moment ago, Acts 4 and verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 1 John 5, verses 11 and 12 says, And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Verse 12 says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's through Jesus Christ. It's through the Son. It's the only way. While the unsaved world oftentimes offers views of Christ's sacrifice, Differently from what the Bible says, they believe that we are narrow-minded, and we are. Amen? Jesus is the only way. Paul said of the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 2, It is the message by which also ye are saved. It's through that message of the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18, Paul said, The preaching of the cross is the power of God. Verse 22, he says, "The, the, The preaching of the cross is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Again Romans 1:16 says it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. The gospel message itself is God's dynamite power. The Greek word that's translated power, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God. The Greek word is dunamis. It's the same word from which we get our word dynamite. The gospel is like dynamite. It is powerful. It's the power of God that can save a lost person. It's the power of God that can take a man who is a sinner and make him a child of God. It's the power of God that can change our life and make us a new person in Christ Jesus. Praise God we have this powerful message to proclaim to a lost and dying world. The gospel of Christ has the power to save us from sin's penalty of death It has the power to forgive us. It has the power to give us a home in heaven for all of eternity. And understanding that the message of the gospel is God's power to save anyone, it's foundational because we realize the truths that we must communicate to a lost and dying world. They must understand that he is the only way. They must understand that that gospel is powerful. It can change their life. So foundational truth number one, the gospel of Christ is a good news or glad news message given to us by God. Number two, the gospel of Christ is not vague, general, or ambiguous. Rather, it's clear, precise, and biblically defined. Number three, the gospel of Christ is the one and only God-ordained message by which anyone can be saved. Number four, the gospel of Christ is accepted and received through faith alone in the person of Christ and His finished work on the cross alone. It is through faith alone in Christ alone. The gospel of Christ performs its glorious saving power to people when they believe. See, it's powerful. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. But don't forget that next phrase, to everyone that believe it. You see, in order to cause that power to go into effect, we have to believe. Amen? Amen. To everyone that believeth, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't it amazing that God made the gospel and salvation so simple? We just believe it. We take God at his word. We understand that he's the only way. And by faith alone and the person and work of Christ alone, we're born again into the family of God. We believe in the finished work of Christ. We sing the song, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. His finished work on the cross at Calvary. Romans 1.16 uses the word believeth. Romans 1.17 uses the word faith to communicate this truth. Faith cometh by hearing. All those are, they're two separate Greek words in the text. They are actually synonymous in their meaning. Both of them mean to rely on or to trust in. In the biblical sense, when a person believes the gospel, he or she is depending, relying on, or trusting solely upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on the cross to be their only way to heaven. And you and I well know that that act of faith has nothing to do with our personal performance. It has nothing to do with our personal goodness. It has nothing to do with our good works, our good deeds, or even our religious efforts. Titus three five says, "Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost." Second Timothy chapter one verse nine says. God who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he hath given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now please understand that faith is not a work. It is coming to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You see, if we don't put faith in Christ alone, then we're trying to work. And when we quit working and resting in Christ, it's kind of like that man I talked about this morning who was hanging on to the branch and God said, let go. We let go of our works. We let go of trusting in what we've done and we trust in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross at Calvary. It is coming to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Faith recognizes that the Savior has already done all the work necessary. And we simply receive salvation as it is, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, as Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tell us. Coming to believe on Christ or placing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is coming to rest in what has already been accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ. One Bible college professor explained it like this. He said, and I quote, The biblical word believe is a word that means to trust in rely upon, to depend upon, or to believe, like taking someone's word. So when God says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, he does not mean to just believe that Christ existed. Neither does he mean for us to only believe certain doctrines about Christ, that he is and that he was born of a virgin, that he was God in the flesh that he died for the sins of the world, or that he's coming back again. You see, believing about God is one thing, but believing in God is another. He went on to say to believe in him is to trust in him alone for our salvation and to depend upon him to get us to heaven. It is to believe him that he will do what he promised to do. He will give us eternal life. End of quote. Have you decided in your life to trust Jesus Christ and to put your faith in Him like that? If you have, John 3.16 promises that God gave His Son that whosoever believeth, trusteth, rests in His finished work, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. Salvation is ours by faith alone in the only Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that truth is fundamental to our understanding the gospel because it focuses the sinner on the Savior and on his work on the cross at Calvary rather than thinking that our salvation somehow has to be merited or has to be earned. We can't earn it. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. So first of all, the gospel of Christ is good news or glad news message given to us by God. Secondly, the gospel of Christ is not vague, general, or ambiguous. Rather, it is clear, precise, and biblically defined. Thirdly, the gospel of Christ is the one and only God-ordained message by which anyone can be saved. Fourth, the gospel of Christ is accepted and received through faith alone in the person of Christ and His finished work on the cross at Calvary. Foundational truth number five, the gospel of Christ is extended to any and all who will come to believe it. Thus, the extent of his power, of the power of salvation, is to all people. If you look back to the end of Romans 1.16, we find that the gospel of Christ is proclaimed as the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's an interesting statement at the end of that verse. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is an all-inclusive expression. In other words, God said it's to the Jews and then it's to the Gentiles. And in that day, that covered everybody. The Gentiles, the Jews, that was it. It didn't cover everybody. No one, and the Bible means that quite literally, no one is excluded from God's offer of salvation presented in the gospel of Jesus Christ. All the Jews can be saved. All the Gentiles alike may come to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So why did he say to the Jew first? Simply because God is a God who has always kept his promises to his people. He will be true to the Jew. He will be true to the Gentile. He will be true to His church. It's a historical fact that the gospel was preached to the Jew first because Christ promised to them first and then through them it would go to the Gentiles. But when the Jews formally rejected the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah, then the door of salvation was opened wide to the Gentiles. Listen to what Acts 13 says in beginning in verse 45. It says, But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, to the Jew. But seeing ye put it from you and judged yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we have turned to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Romans 1.16, the apostle Paul affirmed the fact that God was willing to save any and all who would believe the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believe it. Jews having the first opportunity, and then Gentiles also. The great truth is that the gospel is an invitation that is extended to all, to any, to whosoever will, by faith, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, on His death on the cross, and His burial and His resurrection, they can be saved. The gospel of God is God's way of calling the entire world unto Himself. For God so loved the world. And therefore, he extends his message of salvation to all people, just as the angel said in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That's why Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, Go ye therefore, go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, go into all the world. What a wonderful reality it is to know that no one is excluded from the privilege of being saved. No one is excluded from the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was interested in talking with Brother Keene some this week at our board meeting, and he was talking about how and we were talking about John and Romans and how we've been putting them together and getting them out. We're working on our fourth million, and And he made a statement that really struck me. He said, you know, he said, we've given out these John and Romans to millions of people all over the world. And then he said this. He said, but there's more. Can you imagine if you lived in another country, you didn't have the Bible, and somebody gave you a John and Romans and you read it? And there's plenty in there to receive Christ, to know about Christ, to trust Him and to be saved. And what if that was all the Bible you had? And then one day, somehow, you got a Bible. You know what my thoughts were? There's more. (laughs) There's more. There's more. And he was talking about getting whole Bibles out to the world and getting the gospel out. I'm glad we have it all. Amen? Amen? We have the whole Bible. What a wonderful reality it is to know that the Word of God is available for us and that salvation is available for all those who will trust Christ as their Lord and Savior. But to the Calvinists, God's offer is not so. The Calvinists rejects this precious truth. They do not see God as being willing to save any and all. However, this truth is foundational to fully understanding the gospel and the God who gave his only begotten Son. God's willingness to save all is expressed in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. He says, Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? As we learned in foundational truth number one, the gospel is a message of great joy for all people. Unfortunately, the Calvinists take exception to that in three different ways. They take exception to the five truths, fundamental truths of the gospel that we've discussed. First of all, they do not believe that any person or individual has the ability or the will to believe on Christ to be saved. They don't believe you have the ability to believe. We'll talk about that later. Secondly, they do not believe that all people have the opportunity to be saved. Only an elect or pre-chosen few have that privilege, according to the Calvinists. Thirdly, they do not believe that Christ's death paid the price of sin for all men for all time. In their view, Jesus only paid the sin of those who are the pre selected by God to have the privilege of salvation. Those are some serious errors, and they have serious ramifications. That is why one pastor referred to Calvinism as, I quote, an attack upon the gospel. And so it's important to us that we understand that. One of the reasons I'm taking a little bit of time to deal with that is because it is permeating our society, our Christian society. It's gone into a lot of our Christian colleges and being taught, and we need to understand the truth of God's Word. And it is an attack upon the gospel. So we must remember the five foundational truths of the gospel. The gospel of Christ is the good news, the glad news message given to us by God. The gospel of Christ is not vague, general, ambiguous. Rather, it is clear, precise, and biblically defined. The gospel of Christ is the one and only God-ordained message by which anyone can be saved. The gospel of Christ is accepted and received through faith alone in the person of Christ and His finished work on the cross alone. The gospel of Christ is extended to any and all who will come to believe it. Thus, the extent of its offer of salvation is to all people. This is sound doctrine talked about in the Word of God. And we talked about the sound doctrine last week. My question to you tonight is, do you believe the true gospel? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ alone? And in his finished work on the cross at Calvary as full payment for your sin. When we rest in that, we can put our heads on our pillow and close our eyes at night and go to sleep knowing if I don't open my eyes here, I'm going to open them up in the presence of the Lord. I was on the phone with a preacher friend of mine who's 93 years old, still traveling, still going, still preaching. His wife has a serious lung disease, and she's going to go to heaven pretty soon. In fact, what she's has she's had it for about three years, and the normal lifespan of the disease she has is, I think, two years. He said, we've just been talking about heaven. He said, I told her, you're going to heaven. You know, when you start thinking about it, it's exciting to get to go to be with the Lord. And to understand because of the foundational message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can know. John said, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. We don't have to fret. We don't have to worry. We get to rest in what Jesus did for us. Aren't you glad we have that kind of a Savior? And aren't you glad that that salvation is available for every person that's living today? And it's our responsibility to get the gospel to everyone that we can. So we've got to be busy giving out the gospel. He says, I believe all of those fundamental truths, but if I don't get it out, it helps me, but it doesn't help anybody else. I left for church this morning, and one of our neighbors was sitting on the front porch and they waved at us. And I thought, I'm sure glad they know we're going to church. Amen? They've just moved in. I haven't had the opportunity other than just to meet them, to share the gospel with them, but have a responsibility to tell them how they can know Christ as their Savior too. Do you have neighbors that you've never talked to? Have you ever given them a track? Do they know when you leave on Sunday morning that you're going to church? Do they know that you know the Lord? I hope they do. Let's pray together. Father, Thank you for these fundamental truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know them. We have them. We have this wonderful treasure that's worth more than all the wealth of this world. But so oftentimes we hoard it. We don't share it. Sometimes we're afraid because of our weakness and our failure and we forget that that very gospel is what is the power, the dynamite that can change people's lives. So help us to be faithful to get out the gospel, to do our part. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.